please welcome to the show. Alright, what do we got here? Yeah. People from all over are coming to see him. Gonna be the Wolfpack, son of a gun. You're gonna keep up the hustle to the sun. Welcome to the show that punches you in the face with information. Welcome to the Wolf's Den. My name is Mark Tobri, and joining us is Anna and Liam, uh, who are our fantastic coaches here at Enterprise. Both have competed, I don't know, Anna's probably in the thousands now, and Liam competed a couple of times. Uh, today's topic, we are going to be discussing the perfect comp prep. And Anna, I don't want to butcher your last name like I did just previously, but how do you say your name properly? It is McManamy. McManamy. Anna McManamy. Uh, Close, McManamy. McManamy. She's a uh, top WBF. Oh, now I'm getting the federations <laughs> wrong. WBFF competitor, pro bikini competitor. So uh, what I want to start with is that we're going to be, as I said, discussing comp prep. Is there a perfect comp prep? We were speaking off camera. You believe that there is no such thing no as such a thing. perfect comp prep. So and if anybody knows <laughs> the perfect comp prep, please tell me. So I thought for this topic, you could kick us off with what your beliefs around why is there no perfect comp prep? Because I know there's people watching this competing in all the federations who are looking for that perfect prep. Well, there's never going to be a perfect time for anybody to prep. I mean, for anybody who has done a show, they'll know that you know competing isn't just you show up for training and then you go about your day. It takes over every aspect of your life. It's a 24-7 gig. Um, things are always going to pop up. Life is still going to happen. Uh, it's not going to pay your bills. You still need to go to work. You still need to take care of your family. Life still goes on. There's never going to be a perfect time to prep. And everybody's prep is going to look different. Um, my prep is going to look vastly different to say Liam. Um, male, female for one, um, different age brackets, um, competing in different categories. Um, I mean, for all I know, I mean, Liam's metabolism is probably a hell of a lot higher than mine, so I'm going to have to diet a lot harder than he would. Um, everybody is different and everybody's going to respond differently. That being said as well, every prep is also going to be different. My, I've never had one prep the same. Um, I usually finish in around about the same place in terms of calories, cardio, that sort of thing. Um, but every prep has been different. How many shows have you done? Uh, 34. Is, is out of those 34 shows, is there one that you kind of go, well, you know, that was close to perfect? Hmm. Jeez. Oh, because then also you need to define what perfection is. Yeah, well, I guess if, you, if you're thinking what was the, uh, the easiest prep, and I say easiest. Easiest while <laughs> looking the best. never really easy. Yeah, um, yeah. look, probably looking back, um, and hindsight's a wonderful thing, I would probably say um, my prep going into my very first WBFF show. Um, and I think the difference there was it was mindset. Um, so I was just leaving another federation. Um, I'd been with that federation for a number of years and just it didn't really matter what I did. I just couldn't bring what they wanted for that bikini category. Um, I had a number of friends that had gone to WBFF. A lot, I mean, so many people had been saying to me for years, come to WBFF. You know, I mean, I'm a former dancer, so um, posing and stage presence, like that's where my strengths are. And that's what WBFF awards very highly. So um, I thought, well, look, let's give it a crack. Uh, I also admired the physiques that they were awarding in WBFF. Um, naturally, 
I prefer to get a bit leaner. Um, I'm a much harder bikini competitor in terms of look. Um, I don't carry that soft look very well. I just haven't got the right body fat distribution for that. Uh, and so that was going against me a lot in the previous federation. So I thought, well, look, let's come in a little bit harder. I can put on some more size. Let's just give this a go. I didn't know how I was going to go. Um, I actually cross-competed bikini and fitness just to see where I best sat. Uh, and then I actually won my pro card. So first WBFF show. So Amazing. In saying that, do you, do you think it's, it's kind of synonymous that the, almost the harder the prep, the, and this is a completely other topic, but the harder the prep, the better you look? Has that been what you found? Not necessarily, because I would classify my preps last year, so my prep going into Worlds, and then I tried to back it up and do the Australian Pro Show at the end of the year. So I did three Pro Shows in one year last year. Don't recommend it. <laughs> Lots of overseas travel as well. Throw into that a massive career change, um, a complete overhaul in my daily routine. So I'd gone from having competed under certain life circumstances for so many years, and then all of a sudden um, I was starting my day at four or five in the morning. Um, I'd come and train clients, and then I still had to do my own cardio. Um, you know, I was stepping out on my own as well, so I wasn't getting like that stable income coming in every week, and we had three overseas trips all booked, so how was I gonna finance it? And you know, competing's not cheap either. So I had so many other life stresses going on, body fat just did not wanna move. Like we had to grind hard to get me to stage. And honestly, by the, by the time I got to stage in October, um, I woke up on show day and I was actually quite fluidy through the midsection. It wasn't such a bad thing because I was a little bit lean um, for that show and you know, that was the, the feedback as well that I came in a little bit too hard, sorry of my life. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, it just, it wasn't my best. And throughout that whole prep, I just wanted it to be done. I was like, I'm not gonna step away because I've committed to this. Um, it was the first Australian pro show as well, so I wanted to show my support to the Federation. Uh, but mentally, like I was, I was done. I, I was suppose, I suppose where I'm going with it though, is like if we start talking about and, and unwinding this concept of perfection for mm. a comp prep, uh, in that, is it, is it really the balance of looking the best you can whilst it also being easy? And I was just wondering that if that's actually an impossible task I think it's, it's a mental thing so like you can you can have a really hard prep in terms of having to go low calories do lots of cardio like train until your eyeballs are about to pop out um, but mentally if you're ready and you're like no I am doing this then it's actually not that hard um, if I look back at some of my um, earlier preps, uh, so back in like um, 2014 and that was that was when I was still competing in figure back then and I would say that's probably about the leanest I've ever got. And I was scary lean, but I was also doing like crazy amounts of cardio. I'm talking like an hour and a half run nine times a week, like wow. insane. I would, yeah, <laughs> I, mentally, I don't know. I don't know if I could do that again, mm. um, but crazy amounts of cardio. I was only having like when I tallied it up and I, I mean, this was, this was my own fault for not really knowing at the time I was still relatively new to the world of competing and to the world of coaching. And so I was still learning a lot myself. Um, but when I tallied it up in my fitness pal later down the track, I was like, geez, I'm only having about 800 calories. Like, how was I still standing? And my fats were something like 12 grams wow. of fat. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I did it. And I, I mean, it looked freaking awesome. Um, but when I look back at that prep, 
on paper, it's like, holy crap, how, how did you do that? Yes. But I don't, I don't know. I just did it. It was just like, oh, that's what I got to do. Yeah, so it, you just, yeah, like, it's that mental switch. When you're ready to go, you just go, and then the process just becomes easy. You just do it. It, it brings to mind the uh, first time I competed in 2004 uh, would have been 20 and uh, living at home with the folks. So I could never do this prep again, but I did everything you could possibly do wrong. I don't know how many calories I was on. I was getting some really, really bad advice. Twice cardio a day, plus training, getting up. I was studying design actually at the time. This was when I decided not to do design. I got down to, I think, 68 kilos. And I mean, I normally walk around at like 88, 85 is, 81 is light for me, um, but 88, 90 is, is kind of where I was hovering around. So uh, that taught me a whole lot. That was probably the worst prep for me. You know, what comes to mind was the starvation factor, not enough food, training was incorrect, too much cardio, uh, just the knowledge just wasn't there. But from a personal level, that was an instigator for me to actually go on and learn more. Like I had to come last in that federate. Like if I did well, that was the worst thing that could have happened to me at that stage of my life because I would have said, well, I, I already know enough. Yeah, but com but coming last actually prompted me to be a, a great trainer and, and be a comp prep and, and have the answers for other people. And, th and that's the thing too, isn't it? Like sometimes you've just got to go through the shit to, to learn mm. and to become better, whether that's a um, better trainer, better competitor, better in business, whatever. Um, you need to go through the mistakes to then, for, for it to really hit home, I think. It's like, as a kid, you know, jumping on the bed, and it doesn't matter how many times your parents tell you, don't jump on the bed, you do it anyway, until the day you fall, over, fall off the bed and hurt yourself, then you don't jump on the bed anymore. That's why they'll tell me Kind of the that. same thing, so, Liam, yeah. what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think with comp prep, I think there's a lot of people that want to do the comp prep and they don't really know their why. Um, and like Anna said, I think you need to manage all variables, especially in the off-season. I think everyone's really keen to do this cool cutting phase where they uh, get really, really sh shredded. They look good. They feel good. They're not really ready to do the off-season work. And, and what I find is a lot of people are uh, wanting to do this competition because they, uh, they see other people do it and they think, oh, that's cool. Or my friend looks like this. I'm going to do that. Um, but they're not ready to give the sacrifices. Their calories aren't in the right spot. And I think it just... Uh, it, it puts people out a lot more than what they actually need to be. And, and from a health point of view, it's not the right way. Um, but then again, like if Anna was competing and I'm like, or someone's like, no, Anna, you need to bring your calories back up and this, that, you can't do that show, that pro athlete or that athlete is going to be like, well, hang on a minute, I'm, I want to do this show. So um, that's where I find the the problem is with the compreps. It's not that... Well, You've brought up a number of topics there. So... Topic one, if we just get onto this, because I know, Anna, you have some thoughts on this too, but it's almost like uh, the prep to the prep, right? So a lot of people come in. I remember, like, uh, I remember I had, a, I had a lady, she came in and she was probably about 100, 110 kilos. We're going to say 110 kilos. And she looked at me and she said, oh, I want to compete in the next 12 weeks. And I said, realistically, us really talking about comp prep is probably too two maybe even longer years away um, from us really looking at this as a serious goal. You need to lose the weight, then we need to balance you out in terms of you need to be doing the lifestyle and, and, and not rebound and, and, and do that for a long time. And then and only then will I talk about actually competing with you. But and I had, I've had many uh, people, uh, mostly, well, mostly the comps, well, I was comp prepping uh, folks, was mostly females. So I'd have females come in and remember I had another one who very strong-minded said, I want to compete in 12 weeks. And I said to her, look, you could do that. I just won't train you for it because I don't recommend that you do that. Um, if we do this, it's going to be 
shoving shit uphill and um, you're going to have to diet very, very hard. You have to do a lot of cardio and quite frankly, I don't like the consequences that come later. She didn't like that answer. So she ultimately found a coach that uh, would support that that ambition. But for me, it was a matter of, no, I'm, I'm not going to back down from this. I, I'm not going to train you, frankly. If you want to prep with me, we'll do probably a 20... Probably needed 24 weeks uh, to get this girl ready. And, and I mean, she could have shed a lot of muscle mass on her too. She's just had a lot of body fat to lose. So I think there is these day and age people looking on Instagram. Oh, you know, that girl competed. Oh, she's lean. And, and everyone has that one good photo where the light magically hit your muscles and, you know, you put the right filter on or whatever it is and you look awesome. And people look at that. Oh, you know, that guy's not that lean, but, you know, it's easy. And, and I think that that kind of uh, creates a, a more of a, a thing around competing. But what what is what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, I think... I think um, like what, what Liam was saying too, going back to the why. So if we think about, okay, well, let's just say there's a perfect prep. I think it's easier to say what a perfect prep is not than to what it is. And I think first thing, if you're going right back from the start is, okay, why do you want to do the competition? Because if it's just to get in shape, if it's just to prove to some dickhead at the gym who called you fat, I'm telling you now, it's not the right reason to do a comp. Um, I think that to some degree, there's... I, well, I think most of us would agree here on this table that we all found fitness at a time where, you know, there was some form of body dissatisfaction. Void. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it I think dictated that's... a value where we had to seek and get mastery. I mean, I was the fat kid uh, who wasn't smart enough, so I wanted to not be the fat kid. I wanted to be the ripped kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. He so wanted to be I think taller. It's... <laughs> Um, yeah, so I true. think it's um, the leg you know, extension need, need, is still not working for him. Um, we uh, we, so we need to go back to like why do you want to do the comp in the first place? And if it's simply because you hate your body and you know, you must have a set of abs, or um, you, you know, someone at the gym called you fat, then it's it's not the right reason to get into a show. Because I'm telling you now, when the hammer drops and you need to grind and and I mean grind hard you're going to feel like shit and that point will come for most people so, so how would that's you... not going to be enough to get you through uh, so and how would you frame that to a client so if I came to you right now and I'm very low training experience how are you going to explain to me and frame to me the uh, the hunger pains the time away from family all this stuff that you have to sacrifice with doing a, a pretty tough competition how would you frame it to me so what we need to do is set up a a pre comp prep phase. So first thing to do, so if you're someone who walks in off the street, um, you know, a fair amount of body fat to lose, um, not much training experience, you've never meal prepped. Um, in fact, you don't really know what you're eating. You've never had, um, you know, a, a diet log, you don't know how to track, um, then jumping straight into a comp prep is not a good place to start. Uh, you need to establish the lifestyle first. First of all, you need to show me that you can follow a plan and follow it consistently um, for a period of time. So then once we get you to a more optimal level of body fat, so I'm, I'm not talking stage shredded, I'm just talking healthfully lean. You're feeling good, you're moving well in the gym, you're getting stronger, you're making progress, um, and you just, you just feel good. Uh, I think like other competitors would sort of understand what I'm saying here in that like when you get to that point in the off season where you just feel good, like you're strong, you're not 100% fixated on food 24-7, um, that's when you know, okay, like I'm in a good spot now. 
Um, on top of that, I would also be looking at getting your bloods done. So you um, not only like mentally, physically, um, but also homo hormonally, Objective you need to be in as a, well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you need to be further than there. just what calories you're eating and what macros you're hitting. You know. Correct. How, what are your bloods actually doing? Now, one rabbit hole I did want to go down because you mentioned it, but we didn't get into it. But you said it's easy to say what a, a bad comp prep is or what it's not. Mm. So what, what is it not? Well, first of all, getting into it for the wrong reasons. That's, that's number one. Um, second of all is not finding someone who can guide you through the process. I think, you know, trying to go off what you read off the internet or just going to any old PT down the road, it's not the way to go about it. You wouldn't go to a brain surgeon for heart surgery. Competition prep is the same thing. Um, like, I couldn't have a footballer walk in the door here and say, um, like, I, I, I want to turn pro football. I'd be like, uh, okay, that's just not my specialty. Um, so it's, comp prep's the same. It's an art form in itself. So I would recommend, if you're looking at doing a show, find someone who knows what they're doing, um, that's been, um, been in the trenches themselves, I think understands it, so they're able to empathise with the client, understand what they're going through, and be able to guide them through that process um, and do so healthfully, well, in the, as healthy as a prep can be, because at the end of the day, it's an extreme sport. Um, the body doesn't want to reach stage lean levels of body fat. If it did, then it'd be a hell of a lot easier and we'd all be walking around shredded but we're not. <laughs> um, so I, I think understanding too that what you're getting into is not healthy. Um, there will come a point in prep where you need to go beyond what is healthy and what is um, realistically sustainable long-term as well. And on that note, I think having a coach there that understands that, uh, that has prepped others or has done it themselves, um, and you know, being able to guide you through that minefield, because prep doesn't stop when you step off stage. Prep continues long after that. And I'm telling you now, the first four weeks post-comp, in my experience, in 34 times competing, that's the hardest. It's coming out of, you know, you've, you've been so regimented, you're freaking starving, you want to eat everything, um, but you don't have that deadline anymore hanging over your head. You know, there's, there's no one that, you know, you don't need to jump up on stage in a thong and have someone judge your ass for this in the next couple of weeks. So staying on track post-comp and you know, re-establishing your goals, um, that's harder, I think, than the actual prep itself. So there's two, two things that I want to highlight in what you just said. One of them was something I always talk about when I teach supplementation is that the bell curve, the bell curve of dosage, and, and the way I refer to it is, let's say we're, we're dosing zinc, right? Or um, you know, a little bit is ineffective. It's not going to uh, work too much is going to create toxicity of zinc. Like if you take a whole bottle a day, let's say for example, um, and then you have an optimal amount, which you know might be let's say two tablets twice a day, whatever it is. Okay, um, and we're always see searching for that optimal amount. And what you basically, for me, the the visual analogy that comes to mind is with comp prep. There's that point where a lot of people start it because they might be overweight or, or self-conscious about their bodies. Then they get into that kind of optimal leanness, optimal bigness, optimal for health, body composition, where they can comfortably sit all year round and they're pretty healthy, but actually do a comp prep to be in competition by definition, they actually have to move the needle into the extreme, into the unhealthy segment um, where they get very, very lean, which by definition has to be moved back at some point. And I, I do truly believe that what you, because the next part of this is the four weeks after, uh, people get addicted to, to the extreme and they mm. think, 
I can it I can completely warps your perception. Stay here. Yeah. And and I know I've had it where I've looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, I'm so lean. Like can I just stay like this forever? And then you know, you eat something and you you full, full up with fluid and now you you're back to that that probably even a little bit yeah, and here. And you look in the mirror and you're like, Oh my god. What, what happens? <laughs> you look terrible. <laughs> yeah, and, and yet you're still like leaner than ninety nine point nine percent of the population. You yeah. gotta play that psychological game. And another thing I learned from um John before we go into the, the four weeks after what your your experience has been there what i've personally found something i learned from a mentor of mine john d martini was that any part of your body that you infatuate with you will resent and any part of your body you resent you're going to infatuate with another so basically he talks about and the, the philosophy is which i do 100 uh, agree with because i've experienced it personally and seen others is that let's say for example you've got a competitor and they infatuate with their ass and they're like you know my ass is is the best thing since sliced bread look at my ass selfie 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 my ass my ass my ass but, but they probably to to uh, balance that out, that perception in their brain out, they're probably going to resent another part of their body. So let's say in this example, it's their shoulders. They hate their shoulders. The shoulders are too narrow. They're too small. And uh, to balance yourself out, and, and it's, a, it's a function of the ego because otherwise we start believing our own bullshit. And often if, if we don't do it ourselves, we'll have external forces do it for us and say, oh, you know, you're looking a bit fat today or, you know, you're, you're not quite as big as you used to be um, or, you know, whatever it may be. And it balances our perceptions out so we don't become too high on ourselves. And I know certainly when I was competing, um, you know, I'd look good without my shirt on, but I put clothes on, I look small. You know, I was like, oh, I look, I look smaller. And when I was, was it, you know, normal off season, it's like I put clothes, I look big. But then when I technically I'll fat, you know, so you, you, either way, you, you, it's, it's that balance of things. But let's get back to what you were talking about with the four weeks post. And I'd love to hear Liam's thoughts on this too. But you said that is the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Why fundamentally is the four weeks post the hardest part? So anyone who has ever peaked for a show and has been like absolutely peeled, dry to the bone, uh, you know, just that crisp, pristine physique that you see on stage. Anybody who's actually achieved that would understand that anything other than that just feels huge. It feels disgusting. Yet anybody else around you would be like, I want to look like that. You know, you're still 10 times leaner than the average person walking down the street. But because I guess your perception of what is lean has changed. Um, it, it's moved the goalpost. So um, first of all, it's, it's being ready to accept that you're not going to look like that post-show day. Um, it's very important to remember that when you're peaking for a show, you are literally peaking for like that 24 hours, or in some cases, even 48 hours. Um, but beyond that, the body doesn't want to stay there. Um, you know, fluid levels need to balance out. Uh, you need to put on some body fat, particularly as females. We just, we, our bodies cannot stay that lean for extended periods of time. But then it goes back to that, your perception of what is lean has changed. So if you've ever prepped for your first show, probably like I remember about eight weeks out from my first ever show and I was like, yeah, this is like the best I've ever looked. I feel really good, like I'm, I'm still strong and um, you know, I was loving myself sick. And then, of course, you know, you've got to keep going because we're still eight weeks out. We're not stage lean yet. You get to stage lean and from about, yeah, it would have, would have been maybe been like a, a week after show and I remember thinking, like, ugh, I, was, I was dreading going to the gym because I didn't want 
didn't want mirrors. Um, um, I would you know, avoid the bathroom mirror. I was, I was just hating myself left, right and centre. Yet I was still leaner than what I was eight weeks ago. But again, just coming, coming back down to that, you know, perception changes. So, um, you know, comp prep will alter how you see yourself. So in, in many respects, like it, for some people, it can create body dysmorphia issues. On the flip side, it can also um, help you control them. And um, I, in, in many respects, almost heal you know, disorders like that and things as well. I've, I've seen that as well, I've seen it in myself. But um, that, those first four weeks post-show, it's, you know, your body's going to go through a lot of changes. You're going to be putting fluid back on. You're going to be gaining some body fat. Um, you know, just as you eat more you know, calorie-dense foods, you start bringing your calories up. Um, and, and it's also, too, about resetting your goals. You know, you've been so laser-focused on this one day, and now it's over. Mm. You know, people experience similar sorts of things. Athletes talk about it with the Olympic Games, and theirs is a four-year build-up. You know, for, a, for a lot of comp preppers, it's like, 20 weeks. And they get hammered on the news when they get stoned after they compete. You say, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, of course they get stoned after the Olympics. What are, you know, they've just spent four years in, in the trenches. But let's not talk about getting stoned. Let's go to Liam <laughs> and talk about uh, your experience the four weeks after and, and what, your, what you found as a coach and also what you found as an athlete. Yeah, definitely. Like uh, with, with comp prep, it's definitely a lonely road. There's... Um, you know, I remember times when I was a couple of weeks out and um, I'd take my partner out, she'd get in a side bowl and I'd look at it and I'd be like, whoa, that thing looks amazing. Like, it was a really hot summer day and I was like, wow, this thing's amazing. Like, but then like a couple of weeks later, when, when I'm eating normally again, I'm like, it's just fruit. It's just an acai bowl. It's nothing overly special. Um, that's where I think an experienced coach can really help you. Um, like, for example, with myself, um, I've done it a few, a fair few times now that I know kind of what to expect, and I and it, that cold, isolated road is very tough, but it can be easily, like I don't even really think about it now. When I when I get to that uh, competition leanness, I kind of I've already got new goals set in place. Um, you said it's a cold, isolated road. Why, why do you feel it's a cold, isolated road? Uh, like I just—is that for everyone, or just you, you oh, specifically? Well, well it's, this is all person dependent. I don't think it's for everyone because I've had. Some females that are eating heaps and heaps of calories, they've been eating a lot more than what they normally eat in their everyday life leading into a show. So I think it's person dependent, but um, like I think if I look at the times that I prep, I prep over my birthday, my Christmas, I've got all those functions, dinners, and uh, like I can't go to them because you know I can't calculate my food, I can't weigh this, I can't calculate macros, all this stuff. I might miss out on training, what happens if I have a late night? Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to be around people who are drinking. I want to be focused on my goal. Um, so that, that's where I think it gets quite hard for people. And I think in today's society, it's uh, like if people say they want to do the, like comp preps and they want to look good and all this stuff, but they're not willing to walk. They're, they're all talk, I find. And just today's society, I think that's just the way it is. So you said, you said cold, I'm going to come back to this cold, isolated road. So you identifying the cold isolated road with more so the social events that you're missing out on or are you identifying with the food that you don't get to eat or is it something completely that we've missed oh no no i'm like the the food that i eat in my like when i'm leading up to a show is pretty similar to what i'm eating outside of the show just more less sources just less you know <laughs> i think i think it's, it comes down to a feeling thing as well like you're depleted you're hungry just your overall mood is generally lower yeah. like i know when i'm in off season um I'm a lot more talkative. I'm a lot more up and about. 
when I'm in, um, in like the depths of comp prep, I'm trying to conserve my energy. I don't, well, I don't have the energy to be as up and about, to be as talkative. Um, what Liam said about it being isolated, it's certainly a very selfish sport. It's not like selfish. a... It's not a, a team sport where, you know, it, it's you and, and a bunch of other guys out on the field. Um, it's just you. And a lot of the time, unless you've got people around you who have been down that road themselves and can understand it, um, a lot of the time, like, people just don't really get it. They don't understand, like, well, why do you have to eat your food out of Tupperware? Like, why can't you just have this like one surely one meal's not going to hurt and it's like well mm, it will it, it actually it will <laughs> it's actually going to set me back like another two weeks and I don't have that under mm. my sleeve right now um I, I remember my first prep uh so I was I was not in a um an inner fitness environment so I so I used to be a, a news reporter so I was working in news um and the people around me, like, they used to get Maccas for lunch pretty much every day. Um, they didn't really train. Um, you know, they used to drink uh, enough, <laughs> journalists. Um, so when I started bringing in my food in Tupperware containers and hitting up my fish in the microwave and stinking out the whole office, and, um, yeah, they they gave me a hard time. They used had a, um, a cameraman, Red, if you're watching, um, it would put uh, lollies on my desk. So I'd get back and you know, there'd be Starburst sitting on my computer and I'd be like, yeah, thanks, guys. Um, but I was also so fixated on my goal, I didn't really let it get to me. Um, and I think that's, you know, again, it comes back down to if your why is strong enough, then you're able to see it through. Um, what I also found after that first prep was you very quickly learn who your true friends are. Um, those who feel intimidated by what you're doing will try to bring you down in every way, shape and form. Um, they'll go, ooh, like, ooh, you're getting a bit big there, or, um, oh, why would you eat that? Or, you know, they just make these snide remarks and you're like, you know what, just, I'll, sh I'll show you. <laughs> uh, and then sure enough, you compete, you step off stage, um, you know, you've, you've created this rock and rig, uh, and then sure enough, they're the ones that come to you asking for professional help. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's understanding why you're doing it, um, and then you naturally find the right people will gravitate around you. Um, I know like a lot of people will struggle too with, uh, with family um, and family pressures, um, like uh, you, know, you know, families who like to have you know, big family get-togethers on weekends and things, and, and then all of a sudden you're showing up with your Tupperware and you know, Auntie Betty is you know, going, why aren't you having a second slice of apple pie or any apple pie at all? Um, and it's having to, under, you know, having to explain yourself that way. I think that's what's really difficult for a lot of people. Um, but that's why it's important to have the right support network around you. Absolutely. And one of the personal experiences that I always like to share with clients is I always used to have people coming up to me at like seminars and stuff like this. Why are you eating that? Because I go to these like business seminars and mindset development and all be like regular folk. Why are you eating that? Why are you eating that? And then at one point, I remember something in, in me changed where I just stopped caring. And if someone yeah. started asking me, I'd just be like... I would almost look at them blankly and you go, 
Cause, and then just keep eating and, and I wouldn't even register. But funnily enough, when I stopped caring, people stopped coming up to me and saying, why are you eating that? And then they started coming up to me saying, I wish I could be like you. You're I, so I wish I had your discipline. I yep. wish I had yep. your discipline. And it's that, that factor of, and like I say this for people watching is that you do, especially the people who are new to this lifestyle, you bump up to that resistance of eating it and people will say, why, 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 why? Until you start becoming comfortable with it and you almost stop caring about what other people think, like truly stop caring. And it's almost in that minute, people stop saying and stop questioning you and your beliefs of why you're doing this and they start accepting and wishing that they, they could actually be like you. And I found it a very interesting switch. So Anna, one question or, or one thought that I do want to get back into is you spoke about how competing can be used as a tool to heal body dysmorphic issues. Now I know that that is a topic that's quite close and dear and personal to your heart because you've come from that background of having uh, body dysmorphic issues and you said you've used it as a tool to help you and you've also seen other people use it. So I'd, I'd love for you to talk on that. Yeah, well, I mean, really it can go either way. So, um, you know, I, I've, I've witnessed people come into the sport with no real sort of body dysmorphic issues at all and unfortunately gone back the other way. Um, however, I've also seen it um, and experienced it myself work the other way in a more positive light. And I guess for me, so um, I, I was a competitive dancer and gymnast growing up. Um, came from a very high performing family, you know, it was kind of uh, the mentality of if you're not first, you're last sort of thing. So I'm um, that classic type A personality. So I was just, I was just a ticking time bomb, really. I had all the makings for an eating disorder. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so uh, my eating issues started from when I was about 13, 14. Uh, and then they got really serious when I was 16. Uh, and then I um, suffered anorexia and bulimia kind of swung back and forth between the two uh, for a good seven years. Uh, at that point, um, I stepped away from competing with gymnastics and I was at the time pursuing a career as a journalist. So my focus became not so much on um, my body as much, but more about my intellect and what I could do in front of the camera. I still had a lot of underlying body dysmorphic issues. There was still a lot of self-hate going on back in those days. And for me, um, it got to a stage where I was just so sick of being sick. Um, I was sick of looking at other people just be able to just eat anything and just get on with their day. Whereas for me, it was like, it was all I thought about. All I thought about was I was counting calories and thinking about um, what I can and can't eat and, and then going, oh, if I have this, um, what's that, what is that going to mean? Like how many hours am I have to spend at the gym? And um, yeah, it just, I was done. And... Uh, so I had recently just signed up at a gym. Uh, it was my first ever time stepping forward in a um, stepping foot in a commercial gym. I'd never picked up a weight in my life, and I was about 21, 22 at that stage, and um, started getting into group fitness. And this one group fitness instructor, um, she was competing. I remember walking into the room that day, and she she was probably only a couple of weeks out because she was peeled and I remember looking just going holy crap like how does someone look that good and what I also couldn't get over was how is she not eating nothing um, how is she not doing like spending seven hours in the gym um, I'm doing all these things and I look and feel like crap 
how do I do that? Um, and it was, so this was back in, oh, it would have been like 2006, 2007, around about that time. So like back then, bodybuilding wasn't what it is today. I feel like every second person you speak to was, has done a show or they've got a friend who competes or something. Back then, it was, I feel it was just a lot quieter. People's, it was like this own little... Secret community. Yeah, Everyone yeah. wore black t shirts and yeah, went to Campbell Civic Centre in Melbourne. <laughs> yeah, well, with I was the, in Sydney. With the but... tiny backstage <laughs> that stank like tan. Yeah, yeah. but um, yeah, so it was, it was still very much a, um, an isolated sort of sport. Like, we didn't have Instagram back then. Um, and um, I'd noticed that there were a couple of other people that were also competing, like other females. And you know, again, they were, they were training hard, they were strong. Um, and every second I looked, they were. They were eating. I was like, how do you do this? And so I went, right, I need to learn your secrets because what I'm doing right now clearly isn't working for anybody and I want to do what you're doing. And so um, I contacted one of, the, um, one of the trainers at the gym who was prepping a lot of people for shows, um, Steve Bordo, hello. And uh, he basically taught me how to eat again. Um, like I came to him, I think my, my diet diary, which I had kept religiously for like eight years, um, it was nothing but asparagus, coffee, and the occasional fruit. Like that was pretty much it. So yeah. So imagine it being very exciting for you. It was unbelievably exciting. Yeah, I was like, like wow, oats. Can... Holy crap! I can have this uh, protein. So what? What was that like? Like, what, what was that like? You know, you, I was been... really constipated for the first couple of weeks. <laughs> which, like, at the time, oh, so I was just thinking about this the other night, um, because obviously now, as a as a coach, and you, you coach your clients through if, you know, if they've got digestive issues and whatnot, and it's like, yeah, okay, you need some more enzymes to support that, and or you know, you look at their diet and, and change things up. And I look back at those first couple of weeks and I pretty much just went balls to the wall, like flip 180. I went from eating sweet fuck all to, okay, I'm having 100 grams of protein at every single meal, having oats and this and that and this and that, and wondering why I didn't poo for like a week. <laughs> and it's like, well, clearly you don't have the enzymes to support it. <laughs> like your body is very damaged right now. And probably jumping into 100 grams of protein at every meal wasn't such a good idea. And I remember back then I was taking like, um, uh, like Benefiber and oh, there was this other stuff that tasted like sand. I don't remember what it was, but I remember having to like chug it at night and oh, anyway um, you learn the hard way and uh, yeah so it, and, and what I started to see so and we were only training twice a week so it was just two weight sessions um, and then I was also instructing group fitness at that time as well um, and just with those two weight sessions and you know, following the plan that you know, Steve had given me and, you know, and he was um, checking in with me every week and um, you know we're doing skin folds and the whole bit and I couldn't get over the changes that I was seeing in my body. Um, the scale was going up, and that was freaking me out. But at the same time, like all my clothes were getting looser. Everything, like I was getting capped delts and like I was, it was like my body was sort of chiseling away. Like the, the whole um, shape of my legs completely changed. Um, so like all of this was, it, I'm not gonna lie, it was a real mind fuck to get your head around. Um, and that was probably the first time where I felt like, okay, I, I've actually got control over my body and how I look after all those years of feeling so completely out of control and just, you know, jumping from one stupid starvation diet to the next and just in, living in a world of self-hatred. In, in that process of going through that, was there a time where you 
like had a lot of apprehension. You're eating all this food. You're not going to the toilet where you're like, mm, I want to pull the pin. Or, or was it? No, I, honestly, because I was just so done. And I saw the results that he was producing. And I was like, no, if I just stick at this, like, that'll be me one day. And it, it, I mean, I was looking at some of the figure girls that he was prepping. And I was like, oh, no, but I don't want to do that. Next minute, like two years later, I'm, st- <laughs> I'm a figure pro. <laughs> so that was funny. But um, no, I th- and I th- think it just comes back to that. It was that mental switch. I was like, well, clearly what I'm doing now isn't working. So here's a proven formula. He's got the results in front of me. Um, let's just do this. And yeah, and then, so, and, so, and then that was it. And then um, so we were training together for about, about a year and a half, I think. And at that point, I was like, you know what? Like, let's can, let's do a show. Let's let's see what we can do. And literally one week into prep, um, I then landed my dream job with Channel Seven and had to move to Rockhampton. So um, those competing dreams kind of got shelved. And so at that point, um, moved away from Sydney. Um, and boy, was that a culture shock. So like, if anyone's been to Rockhampton. Yeah, a lot of cows. <laughs> it's slow. <laughs> uh, I've, 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 I haven't been there in a number of well, a long time. I've I've heard it's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot more going on these days. In fact, we see a lot of competitors coming out of Rockhampton now. But uh, back in 2010, when it was, yeah, it was uh, a lot of cows and a big brown river. <laughs> Not much else. Not much else. So um, as soon as I moved up there, I had looked into. Uh, or I was trying to find a, a prep coach because it was still like this was just. I, mean, I just had to do um, and um, th- there wasn't really anybody local um, back then online coaching wasn't really a, a thing um, and so I said you know what I'll just I'll wait until I this is 2011 this is 2010 yeah. so I was in Rockhampton through all the big floods of 2010 right. uh, Cyclone Yassi and all of that so um, you know, if you're watching was, Cyclone Yassi thank you yes so <laughs> <laughs> uh, so work was very much the focus I was still trying to keep up the lifestyle but like I'd kind of I wasn't perfect with my eating and I'd kind of swing back and forth between you know being on and just being right off so I wasn't seeing the progress did in you have any physique. relapses with uh, eating yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah no definitely uh, and it was just purely stress new environment um, my um, now husband my um, he was just my boyfriend at the time uh, he was still based in Sydney so he was still in the army and so I was up in Rockhampton pretty much on my own the whole time um, and yeah it was pretty pretty lonely so weekends were kind of like what do I do with my life like there's nothing there's nothing here um I've got no friends I've got no family like I'd work friends but like you know when you're around each other 24 7 like Monday through Friday it's kind of you know you want your space but so so mentally I struggled with the transition there um and then it wasn't actually until I moved up to so I got promoted up to the Cairns Bureau and I knew that there was a big bodybuilding community up in Townsville, Cairns. So Jim and Rhonda Barnes had been hosting the A&B um, uh, bodybuilding competition up there for, for years. Uh, they were, um, you know, they'd been long-time competitors themselves. So I knew there was a bodybuilding community up there. So I was like, right, I just got to get to Townsville, Cairns, and then, then, then it's on. Uh, and sure enough, as soon as I got that promotion to Cairns, before I even looked for a place to rent, I was looking for a comp prep car. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and yeah and then and then so you, you found competed one and at this stage though right not yet no no yet. no no not okay, yet so no it was, was it was just like very on the radar yeah. it was just something mm. I was just 
busting to do. Um, and I, I think too, this is you know, like my first my first prep. Um, going back to um, like well, what, what what would have been like your most perfect prep? Like, well, that one was pretty damn good because I had no expectations. I was just purely in it just to see what I could do. Um, it, by that stage, it wasn't about creating, um, you know, it wasn't about hating my body. It was about seeing what I could do. It was, it was about committing to something a thousand percent and not wavering through the whole process and seeing what, you know, just being the best version of myself. Is that your why? That was my why, what? and and it, and I, it still it still is. Like I don't compete. There's certainly no um, body hate that comes into me wanting to compete. Now it's just about well, you just keep setting higher and higher goals for yourself. So my first um, first season competing, um, I competed at the the North Queensland ANB show and won the overall fitness model. So it was first show like ever, um, and then went on to compete. I did another five shows that one season like we were on we were we were traveling all over the place we went like Townsville then we had our own in Cairns and then we went down to Queensland for the states uh then we went to um we had another one in Townsville the INBA or the INBA back then there was no ICN uh and then um down for the nationals the A&B oxygen nationals and I placed third that year and uh that was the year um uh, a good friend of mine in the industry um Laura de Benedictus won and um she landed the cover of oxygen so I was like there's the next goal. So um, I stepped off stage for my first ever season. Um, I did not have a great post-comp experience. Um, and I, I think we'll get to that in a minute. We'll talk about post-comp. But um, just like wasn't wasn't ready for, for the post-comp effects um, of like, yeah, you, you're not going to... This was after your first comp, This, right? this is after my first ever preps. This is back in 2012. Um, so I wasn't ready for the weight gain. I wasn't ready for um, just the the lack of guidance, I guess. And see, see back then, um, so my, my coach at the time, she didn't do off-season. It was like, you're either prepping or like, yeah, no, I'm done. Um, so, yeah, which... I, I, I can't do that as a coach. When I see my athletes through the stage, it's like, no, 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 we're not done. Mm. Not yet. This is like... We're just getting started. The hardest part is yet, is yet yeah. to come. So, mm. um, and and I've learned that the hard way through my own experience. So, um, but yeah, I still kept up the um, the routine. Um, I, I was like writing my own programs. Um, so, so and, different question. Uh, why do you think you enjoyed it so much? I've I've been an athlete my whole life, and I think you know someone who's just always been. I've always had goals and they've always been very athletic goals. So it was always um, like dance, I was all in. Like between school, I'll keep knocking that, between school and dance, it, that was my life. Um, and you know, everything was about being a better competitor. Like the goal was always like to you know, take national titles. And so, um, and, and, and I, I thank my, my mum for that really. You know, she, um, she was a high-performing athlete herself. She um, competed in the Commonwealth Games, like, way back when. And, uh, yeah, so that's, that's just kind of the mentality that we were brought up with, was, like, if you're going to do something, you're going to do it to be national champion, not just to, like, do it on a weekend and, you know, run around with your friends. So some would argue that that's perhaps not a very healthy mentality to have, but um, I think it's, it's, well, it's who I am and it's helped me get to, to where I am today in all facets of life, you know, career, not just competing as well. Um, 
So, um, yeah, now it's just about just constantly setting new goals, setting the bar higher. Like there's always there's always something more. It's not about, um, oh, I hate the way I look now and, oh, the only way I'm going to get in shape is to do another show. Like, no, that's bullshit. It's, it's about being better than I was last time. And yeah, that's the thing with... And uh, the cool thing about bodybuilding is, like, you're never done. It's bodybuilding. It's, you know, constantly bettering yourself season after season after season. And, yeah, that's what, that's what keeps me coming back and... Yeah, not not done yet. <laughs> amazing, amazing, and WBFF Pro now. So uh, mm. you, you hold the, I suppose the, the tor- torch has been passed. You've been on the cover of Oxygen. Yeah, uh, yeah, as well. that was twenty fourteen. Yeah, because I so I came back um, so after my first season, um, after having stepped off stage, ca- uh, coming third and going, all right, next year I want that national title and I'm going to get an Oxygen cover. Um, and that was the goal. And mm. yeah, like, oh, geez, when you put it out to the universe, like amazing things happen and just um, busted my ass that year. Um, you know, trained hard. Um, and then when it came time to prep, I did season A uh, and I actually did that with my husband. That was his first and only ever prep, which he'll probably kill me for even <laughs> putting Talking that out about, there. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yes, there are photos on the internet. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so we did that together because he sort of wanted to experience it himself and uh, he quickly realized that yeah nah dieting's not for him um and yeah and then I backed it up with season b and the goal there um so was to, to win the a and b nationals did that um then submitted um my story to oxygen and that's that's what got me the cover not just I, I winning the national title kind of put me on their radar um but it was actually going the extra steps and actually submitting like my transformation story and talking about my um, eating disorder history and and how um, like, I like learning to live the fitness lifestyle helped me overcome that and lead a healthier life. Getting yourself out there, sharing. Yeah, sharing. yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like I mean, nothing, lighting, nothing's ever lighting, happened to lighting you. other people's torches. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's that's really what it's all about. And that's what you know. I, I still endeavour to do. Um, you know, with my, with social media, it's it's all about now coaching others to become their best selves, whether that's you know overcoming body dysmorphic issues or um, you know wanting to step on stage or win their pro card. And it's it's very rewarding to now be in a position where I can give so much back. And I guess mm. like you'd, you'd get that because oh, you've yeah. been through the trenches yeah. and now like look what you've built here. It's the same same thing. Well, let's get into a different topic and, and shift gears <laughs> uh, into we've spoken a fair bit about what happens after the comp. Now, one of the things that gets thrown around a lot on social media is reverse dieting. And some people say reverse dieting is kind of a nuance and it, it's not really a thing. And others are like, you have to reverse diet and all this kind of stuff. One of the thoughts that I want to throw out there is that what happens when people compete is, as we've spoken before about, is you get into the bell curve where you, know, you say you're overweight, you, you get in optimal shape for how and body composition then you go to that extreme and that extreme by definition is competition shape and that is a temporary but what often comes with that is a mindset shift and the mindset shift is to become very very obsessive and unhealthy along with that becomes labelings of foods that are you know foods that are normally quote unquote healthy now become you know, I'm not going to touch that because that's an unhealthy food for the purposes of getting shredded or, or as we say dick skin lean so uh, they then we have to get when that show finishes we need to go from being this extreme competitor to then going back to being a healthy person who eats healthy foods and builds a nourishment body now I find personally a lot of people really struggle with that and they try and bring you know do all kind of uh, 
calculations and, and macro counting and all this kind of stuff to, to do that. But often what it is is almost a, a rebelliousness in people's psyche to go, I've been strict for so long, you know, fuck this diet, I'm just gonna eat, I, I can eat, There's not, the, the brakes have come off, so to speak, and let me just feed it. Uh, I think really what I like to do, and again, open it up to Liam to begin with, but what I like to do when competitors get off stage is have a consult with them pretty much the day after. And say, you know, it's quite normal to put on weight and you're going to establish a new homeostasis in your brain, but you've got to bring the learnings with you from your comp prep because there are a lot of good learnings, but you've got to remember who you are when you started this and who you were when you started this is that you're a healthy person who eats healthy foods that build and nourish your body. Let's go back to that, not the extreme athlete. You don't need to view the, the world with the lens of the extreme athlete. And I think a lot of these perceptions around what happens after can somewhat be calmed down by just an understanding of the mentality from being an athlete who is getting ready for a competition to just back into now I'm a, a quote unquote civilian who <laughs> is just a regular gym junkie like everyone else. So Liam, I know you've had a lot of competitors. You are quite uh, fancy with the way I see your plans go and you like to do the deficit 10%, 20%, uh, 30% and, and all that kind of stuff and bring people up. But give us the, give us the rundown. What do you do? You can take it any way you like, but what do you do uh, post comp? Alrighty. So, yeah, as you said, and I. If you can just get closer to the mic for us too. Uh, yeah, as you said, I, I basically bring them down to their goal. Now, if I'm training a bikini girl, I know they're on calipers are going to be somewhere between nine and twelve percent. Um, maybe the sum ten, maybe between like seventy mil, forty mil for their quads and hams, and, and lower. Um, so this is skin fold testing. Skin folds, yes. Yeah, Dexter's Dexter's probably a little bit higher. Yeah. Um, what I've personally found with Dexter is I used to get, like I had a few clients who wanted to test how accurate my testing was and I was usually about 3% out for females yeah, and about 2% out for males. Yeah, 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 yeah pretty similar. Um, so yeah, with, with post-comp, uh, this is person dependent, but really I'm working with them from the time that I get them uh, to way past they finish their comp. And that's because I know how hard it is personally being in that post-comp position. Now, I've done it all from post-comp binging where I, I was eating just whatever I wanted because I had no breaks on like uh, Anna was saying before. And I've also re reverse dieted solely out of them. And, and I think it depends on the person and, and how they are in their mental state. So for some people, yes, I have to be really slowly. And it, me personally, it's not my favorite way to do it. I like to get them back to baseline as quick as possible. Um, but sometimes I have to really slow the breaks down and increase calories by one to 200 uh, every couple of days a week um, and, and slowly work in micronutrients and all these other things to rebuild them back up at a slowly pace. So if we were to look at that from a, like, a, a, a tangible or a application side of things, so you, you counting out the macros and calories for them and, and telling them like these are the foods I want you to include or like how are you mapping that out with folks? Uh, I do both for some individuals, um, but I prefer to make sure they're not missing any food groups. So I will always give them a plan um, and I'll always give them their post-comp couple of week plans with their peak week. And I'll put a big emphasis on how important uh, post-comp actually is. Um, so if you think about it, like I, I like it. you kind of like staple them together. It's like here's yeah, the peak I give, week I give and on yeah. the back yeah, side, like here's not, the post week. You're not done yeah. when you step off stage. It's like here's your plan for tomorrow and yeah. yeah. And I think um, like good. obviously for for years now, I've got this approach from Mark about being healthy. So I, I really from day dot, I'm really hitting them with this is what you do now. Um, like one of my clients, uh, he lost a lot of weight in a short amount of time he came in said i want to do this comp prep he came in when he should have came in, in the off season and, and didn't and then he came back 
don't know, 20 weeks out. And I was like, oh my God, this guy has like 30 kilos he needs to lose. Um, I dieted him down pretty hard. Like, like there were times when I'd be refeeding him and I'd be like, geez, does he really need this refeed? Should I be doing this? Is he going to get the best result? Um, but I was always educating him. And when I saw him uh, eight weeks later, I almost didn't recognize him. And I was like, wow, this guy's still very, very shredded. I thought he was going to gain a little bit of weight because I always gain a little bit of weight. Uh, but he was only up like five or six kilos. Whereas he lost 28 kilos, right? 28 kilos in, in 16 weeks or 18 16 weeks. So, Jesus. you know, he, he was doing a fair bit of cardio, but that was what he wanted to do. And I, I originally said no a couple of times and we were kind of back and forth on it. And um, I know next time when he preps, he's going to be a lot better because he, he's gone to that point now where he knows actually how hard it is. Um, and he's... And, like I got a lot of good things out of it where he said, you know, I'm never going to put on that much body fat again. I'm, I'm stopping the alcohol. I'm stopping the burgers. This is what I'm doing. This is my lifestyle now. And, and that I think is the most important thing. Um, whereas whereas some, some females, for example, I've, I've just had to let go for a couple of days. You know, they've, they haven't, I've had some that haven't really dieted super hard um, and they've gone off and, and had their food and with going out for drinks with the, the girls and stuff like that. And then a couple of days later, I've had to call them back in because they're upset that they've gained a little bit of weight and this, that, whatever. And it's, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I mostly work with, well, well, pretty much exclusively work with um, female competitors. And generally speaking, I, I think, well, first of all, it comes down to is, well, what's the goal post-comp? Like, are, are we looking to back up another season? Or So this comes back down to, you know, laying out the big picture with them. So when I first get a client... I want to know, like, okay, what shows are you doing? What are you doing currently? Um, if they're a, a new competitor um, but have competed before, I want to know, like, what's your history been like prior to this? And so I've already got um, a map uh, all planned out for them already. So if they're a first-timer and then they're looking to step away into an extended off-season and then potentially compete again down the track, then that's where we go, okay, so let's let's look at where we could have done better this prep. So, you know, what was the feedback from the judges? Um, you know, if, if we didn't get the placing we want and go, okay, well, why? And you know, how are we going to implement that now into our long-term strategy moving forward? So I'm already getting them to think about next show um, you know, or their, their next goal. So it kind of takes that, that focus away from like that one day and now it's starting to give their plan purpose because I think if you just give someone like a, a training plan and uh, and a, a post comp macro plan and just let them be on their way then they're, they're still lost they don't know why they're going to the gym like if they're not someone like um like ourselves that have just you know, lived this lifestyle forever um then they need something more than just showing up and training I mean heck even um, you know the amount of years that I've been training now I still need a purpose to go to the gym. But, but again, like it's always about setting that long-term goal. So um, with, uh, with my female clients, first of all, setting, okay, what's the next goal? What are we looking to do? Um, and then it's about judging their, their mentality as well. So females post-comp, um, I feel we probably struggle a little bit more than guys only because of you know, the social pressures that are usually put on females. Like gaining weight for females is like the worst thing ever. Whereas, you know, for guys, like, yeah, you look, you look, yeah, <laughs> bad bod. Yeah, yeah. yeah, bro, you know. Uh, whereas, you know, females, oh, no, 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 we don't want that. So, um, so I'm a lot more conservative with my reverse diets. Um, if I know that there's someone who, you know, might, you know, completely lose it if they're getting too much too fast, then we're going to be very conservative with how we bump up their, their calories. Um, 
However, if it's someone who, like, mentally they're just in a really good place, um, if, if their metabolism is really responsive, then, yeah, the goal is always to get them to baseline as quickly as possible. Um, so that's where you're going to start feeling good. And, and, and in many respects, um, you know, that urge to binge post-show is going to be less because you've already got plenty of food in your plan anyway. So, but that being said... It's going to take your body a lot longer than just a couple of weeks of reverse dieting to actually feel normal. Um, like I, like from my last prep in October, it probably took me until about April, maybe, um, of just kind of feeling kind of normal again. Like not always what do you, what do you thinking mean by about that? food. Well, I think it's it's feeling strong in the gym. It's the, the biggest thing for me. I find that like the mental switch is your fixation on food becomes less. When you're in a harsh calorie deficit, man, all you want to do is like, I remember um, I used to make food lists of like all the stuff that I was going to eat post I'd be doing my cardio in the morning. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to get this. I'm going to get this. It's really sick and twisted. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, that's a bit of that's what like super low calories can do, right? Um, so I think it's once you're at that point where you're not fixated on food all the time, you're feeling good, um, you're not hungry all the time, you're feeling strong and you're just kind of living life and in, enjoying life, that's when you know, yeah, all right. When Have you ever had the dreams? You know the dreams I'm talking about. Food you, dreams. Yeah, you wake up yes. and you're like, "Holy shit! Did I did I just eat? Did that I just eat Sunday? that whole chocolate cake? Did I do it? Oh did god! I, like, oh, shit, I'm in my bed. It's okay. I didn't ruin my prep. I actually. Yes. Everything is fine. I did not eat the banana Sunday. <laughs> Let's go back to sleep, folks. Let's go back to sleep. Yep. Yep. Many times. So Liam, back to what you were doing with your reverse dieting. So, so in terms of the numbers, are there some numbers? Because I know there's some folks who are watching who count the, the calorie side of things. Because I know that you're, you're right into it. What are some hard and fast kind of rules that you follow? Or are there hard and fast rules that you follow? Um, in terms of food? In terms of reverse dieting? Uh, yeah, so I, I try and get people back to baseline as quick as possible. Um, I automatically lower their physical activity levels. So I drop down their steps, uh, remove all cardio. I try to bring in a wide range of different foods um, because I, I don't really like the idea of, of stopping a whole food group for a, a certain amount of time and I, I just educate them through this and I, I bring down training volume a lot um, and, and I personally believe that um, once you've done a show it, it can take a day a week a month eventually you, you're going to be all right you're going to come back up into feeling strong lifting heavy um, being okay with what you see in the mirror. Being okay with what you <laughs> see in the mirror. And it, it's more so, I do find it more so with females, a little bit more challenging, um, more so because of the look and the, the, the social pressures that are put on them. Um, but, mo but my job as a coach is to not to get someone the best result. It's to keep them, getting them their best result while keeping them healthy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where like people don't really get it still and they're kind of just... They, so they want a result. On the topic of the perfect prep, is there a client that comes to mind or yourself where you go, yeah, you know, that was pretty close to perfect? Well, if I look at my two preps, right, and like I prep for 40 weeks because I want to build my calories up. I don't want to be rushing anything. I want to, be, I want to look at myself and like almost like symmetry and go, okay, what's, what's on, what do I need to work on? Okay, my arms, my back, my chest, uh, my legs are okay. Here's what I'm going to do over the next 40 weeks. 20 weeks of this is going to be a really serious uh, kind of gaining phase. And then I'm going to leave myself 20 weeks to cut down to get to, you know, 5% or 
um, whatever I, I need to be at. Now that's to say I'm at around, I stay between 15 and maybe 20. Um, I'm probably closer to about 16 at the moment. Um, now, body fat. Yeah, percent body fat. Yeah. Now if I'm 25% body fat, ideally to do that safely, that can take anywhere from 24 to 50 odd weeks to, to diet someone down. Like, And I think people try to put this into 10 week blocks and that's where I think it goes quite wrong for people. Yeah, um, a lot of people. A lot of people throw out the term twelve-week uh, transformation, and then yeah, try and it, apply it to you know. You look at some of our transformations that we've done; they're not twelve weeks. You know, they're, they're multiple weeks years. or sometimes years where you really get that hurt and results. Have we had twelve-week hits? Yes, you do every now and then get a twelve-week hit. But they're but, they're yeah. anomalies; they're not the norm. Yeah, yeah, usually. I mean, I have a twelve-week hit that I always refer to, and that was Karim El Bash, who's on our wall. Um, he came to see me for the WBFF uh, fitness model and he did very well, but the guy had already competed twice mm. and um, we, we turned that around in 12 weeks very, very fast and he, he had a photo, but he was just, he's a guy who's a super responder. I mean, he would he would think about lifting weights. And, and, and he was go. already a very well-trained individual, yeah, clearly. Well. You know, he was yeah. living so the lifestyle. He, he was coming know, to it's... me to, to step it up to mm. another degree and I mean, there you have those guys. For me, another one, I mean, I wouldn't say his prep was perfect, but his prep was close to perfect. We did get a roadblock where he was at 7% body fat for three weeks in a row and it was a matter of actually increasing his fats and keeping his carbs high so actually we had to bump up his calories and, and bump up his food to get him to drop below 7% and he got to 5% and the guy was on he was shredded he, he was very much in immaculate condition and I think you know he really did cruise to me it seemed like he cruised and I think you would say much the same he cruised into the show the other one that comes to mind is a female who are trained uh, calisthenics backgrounds um, very very just show her a movement next minute she's doing it perfectly she was a trainer herself 16 week prep the way i planned it was four weeks of it was going to be essentially getting her uh, to hypertrophy as much as possible it's actually about eight weeks of hypertrophy and then eight weeks of cutting because she wasn't i think she started at maybe like 16 percent body fat um but you know she was on came in won the victorian titles competed at the australians uh just nailed it and i remember the story that always comes to mind when i think of her was on the day when she walked into the prep uh, I was at the ICN, IMBA, ICN at the time, I think it was, IMBA, whichever. I walked in and, and I can't remember who was sitting there, but said to her, you look, you look happy. You look really healthy. Uh, she goes, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm fine. I've been having wine once a week for the whole prep. Mm. Like, I think she actually, no, we cut it out two weeks before and she was just like all bubbly. And it was in, in this contrast. And she had a huge smile on her face, looked healthy, looked strong, looked the way you want to look um, and shredded. And uh, in the huge contrast, there were so many girls around her going, I hate life. Uh, where's my pizza? How, like, how would you describe her mindset throughout the prep? Like, she had a breakdown. Was, yeah, she, had, okay. she had a breakdown, so she cried, um, which I would say is fairly normal when, when well, in my experience of, of training yeah, any I, competitor. I think I've broken down pretty much um, every prep at some point. <laughs> yeah, because like, you get pushed to the point. So she, she had a meltdown and um, she cried and, and that was all fine and then she moved, moved straight on and got on with it. Uh, but her, her mentality towards it was she came at it and I don't know if it was a calisthenics background. She was a PT at the time, so I was mentoring her as well. But for her, I think really it was just uh, she approached it as an experience. And, and one of the different things with her was a lot of people that I find once they get off stage, the first question they get asked is, when are you competing again? For her, she did the season. So she did the VIX and she competing at the Aussies. But her answer was, I'm not going to do this again. I only have to do this once. So I think from that perspective was she came in with this uh, element of 
this is not who I am, but I'm going to give this everything I've got. I'm, mm. an, I'm an athlete first mm. and a competitor second, and I'm going to have some fun. And I think that's how, to me, that's how she approached it as, a, as almost a, I'm experimenting with my body as a physical culturist rather than this is yeah, the, the I box. Think, and, and I think that's probably the key. Like if we're looking for the answer for what is the perfect comp prep, I think it's it's how you go into it and it's, it's what you want to get from it. Um, you know, no one's forcing you to do it, no one's holding a gun to your head. If you are just genuinely excited by the process and excited by seeing the limits that you can push yourself to, then yeah, I think you're you're in for a pretty pretty cruise. I'm not gonna say cruisy because that's perhaps a never cruisy. Yeah, you still gotta push it's, into it's that always, red zone. It's always you still hard. Move the but needle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think yeah. when you've made that mental switch, it's the process becomes easier. Yeah, patience is definitely a big thing. Mm. I think you can like, maybe gain 100 grams, 200 grams a month of maybe muscle mass if you're lucky. Um, you could probably potentially drop maybe a kilo a week if you've got a lot of body fat. This is a long time. Like if I look at Anna's years and years transformations, they're, they're quite good, but people don't want to have that time frame now. And even with myself, if I look at my, my preps, um, so my in the lead up to the first Arnold Classic, um, I didn't really know what to expect dieting as hard as I did for this first time I came in very very lean um you know I was very lean I came third on that day if, if I have a, and I, everything went wrong could have gone wrong that prep like there were people on the treadmills when I needed to go on them and this that and whatever else the second time I prepped I, it was much easier um and I put on five kilos and I was comparing it to last year's Arnold's and I was like I'm going to do really well here. This is, I'm going to really do really well here. Um, I was looking at all the guys from last year's Arnold's and I was going, yeah, this is cool. I'm going to do really well here. Then I get to the day of the qualifier in VIX and um, I walk in and I just see these, all these massive guys. And I'm just like, holy hell, who are these guys? And I'm 73 kilos. I just scraped under 70. Um, and I'm going, are these guys doing the under 80s? Like, where are the other under 70s? Am I doing it by myself? <laughs> Anyway, there's like six guys that are just huge. And um, like I remember getting off stage and I saw uh, this guy called Scott Goble and he was like, that was the best under 70s lineup I've ever seen. And you held very well. And I was just thinking like, yeah, you're right. I did. I did do quite well. But I was, I potentially could have done better because I had put on five kilos and at this amount of time I was. But you can't control who shows up. And I was day. like, no, what and is going on? And, and, that, and that's the thing with, with bodybuilding or any subjective sport. I think if you're solely fixated on the result... You've missed the point. Yeah, totally. And you're going to be very bitterly disappointed most of the time. Like The, the best answer to that was uh, 2005. I said to Tony, it was my second show, Tony Doherty. Uh, I said to Tony, because he was helping me prep for the show, do you think I can win? And he looked at me and laughed and said, well... You show me the competition and I'll tell you if you mm. win. There's, there's no way, you know, let's say the guy who beats you, they've been training 10 years, you've been training two. Or let's say the guy that beats you has some super genetics and parents. What are you going to do? Hate your parents? And I thought his answer was just so on point, mm. so exact. Yeah. That, that, is, that is actually how you have to approach it. You have to, the only person who you can beat is, is you, really, at yeah. the end of the day. It's experience. Yeah, it's, 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 it's yeah. you versus you. Um, and if you're solely focused on that end result on the day i mean heck you could have one judging panel that'll see it one way you could have a completely different panel and the results could be completely different um it's all dependent on who shows up on the day and 
what the judges are looking for on the day. Um, and in some categories, you know, that can vary wildly. Uh, like bikini is probably one of the toughest ones to prep for. One day they'll um, they'll favour a leaner physique. Another day they'll go completely... Softer, more exactly. curvier. Yeah. And I've and seen it so many times. Yeah. And in different, like in weeks, and like we know, had one at the, the VIX and then at the Aussies is different judges yep, and you're like, whoa, yep. what the VIX and, last you know, week. And if that's what you're focusing on, yeah. you're going to hate the sport very, very yeah. quickly. But if you can approach it with the mentality of... I just want to give this my all and leave no stone unturned. So when I look back on my prep, I don't say, yeah, I probably could have done better. Because if you come out and you've done everything that you can, if you've busted your ass day in, day out, left no room for regrets, and then walk out on stage looking the best you have, like that's, that's a win for me. And anything on top of that, Sure, like I'm, I'm a competitive person. We all want to win, yeah. but that's where I'm, it gets I'm not hard. Gonna, I'm not going to walk away from the sport if I don't win. And let's—I've uh, lost more than I've won. So, folks, we're just about to head into a break, but before we do, Anna, where can people find you on Instagram? Um, look me up, Anna A W N A underscore. Here we go, McManamy MCM McManamy A N A M E Y, or I am Anna Fitness. And uh, Liam, where can people hit you up? Uh, Liam Fitz on Instagram. And is that with an underscore? Underscore. And obviously, I am Mark Atobri, and you can hit me up at Mark Atobri on Instagram. And obviously, do follow Enterprise Fitness on Instagram and hit that subscribe button. We'll see you after this break. Are you a personal trainer looking to maximize their career and profits? Check out the folks at personaltrainermentoring.com who have sponsored this show. They have put together a website full of resources. You can download one of them today. It's a $500 value pack completely free as a watcher of the Wolf's Den. It includes uh, three eBooks and an e-course on how to screen and assess your clients. So check them out. We also have some fantastic certification programs. The one they have just released is Sales Mastery for Personal Trainers. So head over to personaltrainermentoring.com and get your free gift pack today. Hey, hey folks, are you looking to get in the best shape of your life? Here at Enterprise Fitness, we've trained over 250 first place trophies and winners, as well as literally thousands of people to get in the best shape of their lives. So check us out, it's melbournepersonaltrainers.com. We're located at 381 Swan Street in Richmond. If you're looking to get in the best shape of your life, you need help with your training, training programming, nutrition, just wanna feel your very best, reach out, contact us, www.melbournepersonaltrainers.com. And we are back. Welcome back to the Wolf's Den. We are going to get straight into it. So what we're going to do now is answer your questions from Instagram. The first question from Instagram is, can anyone compete naturally? And I mean only diet and workout. And if yes, how much time will it take? So I assume this uh, question is about drugs. So let's just get, just get to or the supplements. point. Or supplements. Or um, supplements. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna imagine this question is about drugs. So I'm just gonna answer it about <laughs> drugs, right? So 100%, I've been natural my whole life. Uh, there are there are natural, well, natural federations and untested federations, as it's referred to. Untested federations are basically just that, where the federation is untested. So, for example, you know, if you are taking uh, performance-enhancing substances of any sort, they're not simply not going to test, and that's where you go if you want to take stuff, right? Uh, on the other hand, there are federations that are, that are tested, and people will argue, well, you know, those those federations don't have the money to test every athlete. Now, while this might be true, I think uh, it's up to us as individuals and as people, and you know, watching this and all this kind of stuff is, is I think your your own uh, individual moral compass would tell you that if you are going to use drugs, then don't go in those 
uh, tested federations. They are for the natural people. So if you look at, say, for example, the ICN as an example, that is a tested federation. So if you do intend to be a natural competitor, then compete naturally. If you do intend to use performance-enhancing substances, go to the federations that, that don't test. It's just, and it's do really, your research. Yeah, and do your research. Do as your as research. That. <laughs> um, yeah, 100%. So, so how, don't go back from that. Yeah. And, and how, particularly how, as females. Particularly as females. And unfortunately, there is, is a uh, drug culture in, in this and, and that has to be I suppose acknowledged at some point and, and the other aspect um, I just wanted to add on that is you, you can have a it depends on what level you want to be right if you want to be walking around at 4% body fat and 100 105 kilos well that's probably not a result you're going to achieve naturally right let's just say you're about 6 foot tall you know it's quite a lot of muscle at a very low body fat percentage to be walking around that's not a, a natural so but I do believe you know if you do take the natural route and it, it really is horses for courses right I mean that's that's the route I've chosen personally for myself and that's what feels right for me but I'm not going to condemn anyone if they choose to go on a say performance enhancement uh, protocol that that's their choice and that's the physique and, and that's where they want to go so um, yeah how long will it take well I think it really takes the same amount of time whether you're I mean obviously if you're using substances the results probably going to be a lot more extreme uh, on the flip side if you are natural it might be a bit slower harder you got to be a lot smarter with your food you're not going to get away with as much you got to you know really dot your eyes cross your t's but along the way I mean obviously with with the if you are using substances there's a whole other kettle of fish that, that's quite hard yeah, uh, and, and, and I don't is, I don't yeah. think it I I think there's a big misconception that it just it makes it easier. Well, no, it, it doesn't. Um, what still you're adding diet, is a exactly still you're still going to do the work. What it allows you to do is work harder. Correct. So um, yeah, like if you want to go down that route, and, and again, like you, I've got nothing against people who who do, but particularly as females, you need like this is serious, um, and you need to think long term. Like you know, if if you want to have kids down the track, then well, maybe going down that route isn't such a good idea. So mm. you've just got to um, assess your values um, and, and decide you know, whether that's something that you, you want to go down that path because there's no real going back from that. Um, but it won't make it easier. Um, and what you're also, you also need to con, um, consider is that, well, if you're competing in an untested federation, um, the bar is that much higher as well. Uh, I mean, I compete in, a, in an untested federation, um, and that is not to say that um, every athlete on stage um, is on performing, performing enhancing drugs. It's definitely not the yeah, case. absolutely. Absolutely not. Um, but it does raise the bar. So it's not taking the easy route, and there's a whole other layer of complexity that's going to come along with it and ramifications down the track if not managed properly. Yeah, absolutely. Do your and, research. And one of the case in points in athletes that I've coached for you know over a decade, I've coached her for over a decade now, uh, Liam coaches at Janet Kane, lifetime natural, she competes in untested federations and she would win. Uh, and, you know, the point is, like, wipe the floor. And the reason is, you know, in, in, the, in the natural feds, uh, she, she won everything. And there really wasn't anywhere else that she could kind of take her career. And, and we, we spoke and we said, well, we know, you know that you're natural, you're going to stay natural, but it doesn't exclude you from competing against people at a higher level and who are bringing it even that much harder. Like, you can go up against them, against them and beat them. And, and that's exactly what And that what all comes done, down to her, to her work ethic. It just yeah. goes to show. Like, if you... Um, like, Janet is probably one of the hardest working athletes that I've ever witnessed. I've ever like met, yeah. she she comes in here and she just goes like Another an level. animal. Like she's, yeah, um, yeah, and not everybody can do that. So, I mean, that's just testament to Janet's relentless 
hard work and dedication to her craft um, that she can then step on stage against enhanced athletes and be able to wipe the floor like she does. Not everyone can do that. No, not, not at all. Just, Janet's you gotta, special. You've you got to make sure it's, it's meticulous uh, to details, mm. diet, training, food timing, all the others. So I think we've, we've answered that question. So I'm going to move on to my, my next question. I know, Liam, you had one as well. Uh, the next question is from Natasha. So Natasha asks, how long should comp prep be for someone who is doing it for the first time? I'll let Liam uh, take a swab at this one first. Uh, could you repeat the question? Oh, I just put my phone away. Uh, how long should a comp prep be for someone doing it for the first time? How long should a comp prep be for someone who is doing it for the first time? Yeah, that was pretty much the same as my question as well. Um, I think this depends on what category they want to go to, um, what their current look is. And I, I like to... Sp- if I can, I'd like to spend minimum of 40 weeks. I know this is not ideal for everyone because I would like to figure out what foods work for them, um, build a little bit of muscle first, and then I would like to start the diet process. What I, what I don't like doing is getting someone in 20, 15 weeks, 12 weeks, whatever, and not knowing their body that well, not knowing what foods they like, not knowing where they've been with their food for the past three years, um, I think the more I get to know um, the people who do longer preps, the better I do with them. Um, just because we learn more about their body than what they've probably learned in the last, you know, being their whole person. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Like weeks. if I have somebody that comes to me and says, all right, I want to do a show in 12 weeks. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. Then like if, 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 tw- if it's that 12-week show, then I'm not the coach for you because I like to spend time with my athletes to, like you, Liam, to get to know them, um, find out, like, what foods work best for them, um, like, how they're training. Like, take that time to build a foundation. Um, the exception would be if, you know, someone came to me, they've competed so many times before, they're, like, 10% body fat, they've been tracking their food religiously for weeks on end, uh, and they are ready to go yeah, okay, then I think they're in a good place to like 12 weeks, yep, boom, let's go. Um, But for most people, that's just not the case. Most people who come to do a prep, uh, and particularly first-timers, are generally first-timers to the gym too. And, And I'm not just saying like go in and do a body pump class and walk out. I mean proper, serious resistance training. And even like I know for myself, even as an athlete, even though I was, you know, playing around the gym for a while before I got serious in my prep, I wasn't training hard enough. Um, I'm, I'm still perfecting my movement patterns. So like if that's, if that's coming from me with so many years experience, then chances are most people walking through that door, uh, they're not going to be in a position to step on stage in 12 weeks. And that's where I'd be taking the same approach. Let's, let's think long-term, let's map out your prep to give you the best result. Because I don't want to just put people on stage just to, you know, say, oh, I prepped another person. No, I want you to step on stage and I want you to win. Like, I want you to get the best result possible. Um, I also want you to enjoy the process as much as possible. And you're not going to get that if, if you've got, you know, like 20 kilos to lose in 12 weeks. You're going to hate life by the end of it. And you're not going to look very good. So definitely time is of the essence, I think. And the longer um, you can spend preparing yourself for that, the better the result is going to be at the end. So patience. Yeah, I think someone like Natasha, uh, she would be get, she'd get away with 20 weeks, I think. Yes. I think yes, she's, got, I she's got quite a bit of muscle mass. Um, she moves very well. She's already pretty strong. 
Um, I think 20 weeks should be very, very competitive. Mm. So for the, for the personal question that's been asked, we'll give a personal answer because we know the, the person asking it. So let's move into one of my favourite segments of the Wolf's Den, and that is the one-word game. I hope you both are prepared for your one word. We'll, we'll do a couple of rounds here. Uh, I'm going to kick things off. So, so basically, <laughs> if this is the first time watching it, uh, I'm, we... Both. We say a word and uh, we, we answer it the first thing that pops in the head. And, and often this game turns into the one sentence game and sometimes the one paragraph game and maybe the one rant game. But we'll try and keep it to one word. So let's kick it off. And uh, the word that I want to associate today is uh, bikinis. Hard to judge. Glutes. <laughs> Figure. Janet Kane. Nicole Wilkins. Um, oh, my turn. Yeah, your turn. <laughs> oh, this is how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, training. You have to train hard to get a result. That's many words. That's many words. Hard. <laughs> hard. Um, hypertrophy in different rep ranges. Oh, it's back to me. Uh, favorite comp food? Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Mine is very limited right now, so I could say chicken, but... Can't say salt. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Seasoning. <laughs> mustard. No, mustard. <laughs> Truffle mustard. Truffle <laughs> mustard. Yeah, Liam. Um, peak week. Peeing all the time. Uh, it can be complicated. Uh, yeah, can be complicated. And I'm going to add fun. Love Peak Week. Back to you. Back to me. Um, tan. I'm going to say pro tan, because you remember the, the tan backstage you used to actually yes, rub on. Yes, this, this is a pro tan. Oh, it's not, no, 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 I'm talking about dream tan, sorry. <laughs> oh, dream tan. Dream tan, oh, that's, that's my answer. The, the, I think that's banned at most shows now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the Yeah, oh, one? do I ever, uh, yeah. Dream, dream tan came in like a little round container, like, like hair and gel. You, and, and you, you pat it on, did you ever yeah. go backstage and all you heard was... Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, yeah, those are the days when <laughs> I competed. That's the dream tan. Yeah, it was dream tan. And then there was shimmer as well, which made you look a bit more like bright. And yeah, it, it was intense. Yeah, it's all about all about pro tan these days. Pro tan, you know, they're, pro they're tan. Backstage. It's all it's all spray tan now anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. What's your one word? Arnold Classic. No, no, tan. You have to say tan. Oh, um, we'll get to the Arnold Classic. I just think it's messy. I hate it. It's just messy. <laughs> I just hate it. Come back to Patchy disaster. Do, do you remember, like you, I remember I used to compete. I had to do like contest color and then uh, on top of contest, contest color, color, you had yep. to put the dream tan on top of that. Yep. It was horrible. It was the worst process. Yep. Three layers of tan. Yeah. Just so uh, Arnold Classic, there's only one word that, one name that comes to mind when I think of Arnold Classic and that's Tony Doherty, legend. And second name that comes to mind, of course, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Uh, favorite competition or comp supplement? Sulfurophane. Sulforaphane. Hmm. Some xynoestrogen detoxification. Yes. Um, I'm going to say for me, berberine. All right. Hmm. Really? I like I like my GDAs. Yes. 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 A bit of a uh, blood sugar control, anti-aging. Yes. Some you don't, have, you don't have any carbs now. <laughs> no, I don't. So it's. <laughs> But I still like it. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we are, I said my word. We are back to... Back to me. Um, Post-comp cheat meal. I have to say what I did 
So it would be like TGI Fridays, burger and potato skins. Yeah, I still keep it clean. I go to Santoni's to get a gluten-free pizza. Oh. Clean. Uh, we are back to you. Uh, we are, yes. Favourite muscle group? I'm going to say delts, but as a bikini competitor, I should say glutes. <laughs> uh, can I say posterior chain? Yes, you can. Yeah, pos posterior chain. That, that's my answer. Posterior chain. Uh, we're at a bar. What are we drinking? Pepsi Max. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, well, it's depends, an addiction. <laughs> depends where we are. Depends where we are. Where are we prepping? Um, in prep, we're drinking waters and we're not very happy. Out of prep, we're probably drinking gin. Gin? Okay. Oh, you want me to say what I'm drinking? What are you drinking? Cocktails, because alcohol tastes like shit. <laughs> uh, back to Liam, one word. Um, Favourite hardest prep for a client? For a client? Yeah. Okay, hang on, can you quantify that question? What do you mean, like, the client who was the hardest prep? Yeah, like... Or what is the hardest everything prep? Everything went wrong, peak week mucked up, the, the car broke down on the way to the show. Oh, like, like disaster story? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do I have a disaster I, yeah, story? Yeah, I haven't had a disaster story. Like I've got, I had ones that have been harder than others. Well, my disaster I don't, story I don't know was whether me. I should say names though. Yeah, no, so. no. My, my, my disaster story was me. Like in my first prep in 2004, that, that was me. I, I don't have a disaster story of a competitor, thankfully. Like it's always Because you did it all for <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> made sure, like I, I printed out the checklist, gave it to them, made sure they had everything on time. But my disaster story was me, 2004. Like you couldn't get more of a disaster. I came last, dead last. And I, I looked, I was that guy that you would look at and go, yeah, that guy's not ready. He shouldn't have been on stage. He was a bit skinny. Yeah, a bit skinny. Yeah, your one. I haven't came last, thank God. Sorry. Yeah, well, I have. Uh, your one word? Um, hmm. Barbells. Aleko. The big lifts are essential. Right, we'll go. We'll go one more round. So, so we better make this a good one. Um, pressure's on. My God, I got so much pressure right now. Um, there's jeopardy music just in case beads of sweat starting to <laughs> stop it <laughs> the the leanest person you've ever coached i'm gonna say janet kane Ooh, it's a tough one it's a very tough call well, yeah, J janet i mean Krim was lean but it's pretty but lean Krim was very lean but I, th I feel like if I had to give it on male to female pound for pound athlete i i would give the the best all-round competitor that I've ever coached to Janet Kane. Uh, I mean, she's one of the most decorated figure competitors in Australia, so I think it's well-deserving. And it, it, tough to beat on, on, on that too. So, yeah, Janet. Um, leanest. So I work with mostly fitness and bikini competitors, so I try, not to, I try not to yeah, get them too shreds. lean. Um, my leanest bikini competitor... Um, was probably a, um, a young lady called Jemima. Um, Jem, if you're watching, you did a great Shout job in your prep. Shout out Jemima. <laughs> um, yeah, and she, she got, uh, actually, she had a, she had a, she was just one of those people that just had an, an easy prep. Like I'd send out her plans and just be like, yeah, you're like a bitch. 
bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've had those like, as well. What, what I would give to be on your macros. Um, yeah, no, she, she did really well. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, she competed in the Rookie Show a couple of years ago and, um, yeah, podiumed for all of her all of her categories. And she's got top three for a little while. And, yeah, beginning, yeah. I don't know if that's coming through, but we're getting some whistles on the way as people walk through <laughs> Enterprise. They're, they're liking what we do. Hello. Thanks to the folks at home They're watching. They're whistling at you, yes, Mark. They are indeed. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll see you guys later. Uh, I'm gonna, my last round, my one word is if you, if what is, if, no, let me start that again. What is your spirit food? My spirit food, just FYI, is cacao. I'm just wondering. Well, I'm Italian, so I'm going to say pizza. <laughs> hmm. Spirit food, spirit food. Grilled burgers. Grilled burgers. Has yeah. to be. Thought you might say something like that. Yeah. And and to, to close it off, what's the one word for you? What's the last one? Hmm. Um. Last one. As we finish it. TikTok. <laughs> he wants to get you back now. Hey. Um. Best. Uh, mo like most uh, memorable moment on stage. Oh. Oh, okay. I'll let you go first. Um, it would probably be this girl that I coached that uh, was, had a lot of trouble. She was quite overweight, uh, suffered a lot of anxiety, things like that, and ended up cleaning up for a year straight, won every show, um, when really no one thought she could do that. Yeah, my probably most memorable was... Uh, I have two that come to mind immediately. And the first one is a lady by the name who I coached she was a trainer here for a little while. Her name was Nicole. And uh, just mentally, she had a little bit of a, a tough prep. And um, like I saw her being a champion. And it was a few moments where she had a breakdowns and that. And then she got up and she won. And it was like, thank fuck. Like, we, I just felt like she needed it. I needed it. Like we, I think we as a team, we really needed her to win. And because and, we just saw this, all this potential in her and she won. So that was really quite a, a great moment. And then at the end of it, the whole team got up on stage. We got a photo. Uh, it was just great. It was a great moment. And the other one uh, was actually a girl, 2014, at the VIX. Took her on from another coach. I had about six months. She looked skinny and emaciated uh, at a previous comp. And I took her on. I had six months to turn her around. And I did. And she walked in and just she won she was 2014 uh the winner at the vix standout winner amazing there's this other girl who was quite big but she, she was too big she had too much muscle like she looked bodybuilding and the, the thing about that comp is we actually at enterprise we had first second and third in the lineup so that for me was a very special lineup because i think um two of our other coaches had girls who won and then i had the winner and um just in terms of the physique that she presented, in my head, it's exactly what I saw. I've never been probably, um, with the exclusion of Janet, because Janet's kind of been coaching her for 10 years and a lot of the victories, um, like it's almost like now, I, I don't want to say expect Janet to win, but it kind of is that element where we're like, all right, we're going into this to win. We have that mentality. So outside of that, that was a very special one because I worked with someone who like, came from like bare beginnings to then just boom, uh, and, and turn it around, so that would probably be for me. What about you? Um, well, be a couple. Um, so for me, personally, in my competition experience, um, definitely winning my WBFF Pro card was a big one. Uh, and uh, winning the Nationals in 2013, which was my... That, that was that 
big goal that I set from that first prep. So that was a that was a big moment. Um, and then with my clients, uh, so I've had I've had two. Uh, one of them um, I wasn't physically able to be there. I was actually um, in the states at the time, so I was like madly messaging like on on Facebook and everything, trying to you know stay on top of what was going on and checking in on her condition. Uh, and that was my client um, Chrissy Warren, who absolutely cleaned up last year and ended up. Um, earning herself two pro cards so um, and yeah she she just had the most amazing transformation herself like was one of those people that came to me just wanting to get in shape and then one thing led to another and well and then she was like oh you know I think I might want to give this competing thing a go I'm like yeah I reckon you'd actually be pretty good yeah and she was so that was uh that was huge um and uh, and then my other one was another girl who ended up uh taking overalls at the vix in um, in the fitness category as well and like for her um mentally really struggled towards the end of prep like her um she was going through um, a marriage breakdown at the time and it was like oh okay like we're so close like you're ready just we've just got to hold it together literally uh two weeks out from show had the most horrendous weekend long binge um and then checks in with me on monday morning and is like yeah fucked up we're like you know what we're going to clean this up <laughs> and we're going to get you on stage. And we did. And she freaking won. So, oh, wow. yeah, wow. that was... It's always um, those ones, those stories of like nuance or, or yeah, that stick out yeah. your head. Uh, that's awesome. So, finally, Liam, sir, where can people connect with you? Uh, Liam underscore fits um, on Instagram. And Anna? Uh, I'm also on Instagram. Uh, that's Anna, A-N-N-A underscore McAmanamy, M-C-M-A-N-A-M-E-Y. Um, or my business page, which is I am Anna Fitness. Or one you, word. You are watching The Wolf's Den. My name is Mark Atobri. Connect with me on Instagram at Mark Atobri. Make sure you follow the enterprise page. And if you haven't already, folks, hit subscribe. And we would be forever so grateful uh, that you leave us a review on iTunes and podcast. And hey, look, if you've enjoyed this episode, do share it with your friends on all things social media, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Thanks for watching, folks. And until next time, train hard, eat well, and supplement smart. <laughs>